Welcome to the Takeoff Experience where I sit down with highly driven people to talk about their journey, their failures and their successes. If you want to take off in your career, your business, your finances or your mindset, then this podcast is for you. Welcome back to the Takeoff. Join us in the booth this week is Tolu, who is a money coach that helps millennial women to stop overspending and to get clarity on their financial goals. I hope you are ready for the gems that are going to be dropped today. How are you doing today, Tolu? I'm doing really well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Um, it's my stag do this week, so I'm, I'm looking forward Ooh, nice. to that. I'm not. I'm probably not going to post any content um, in that time. Um, how was work actually for you today? Work? Yeah, no, work was fine. I had to go into the office in London, so mm. yeah, going on the bus and the train in this heat was a bit of a challenge, but it was fine. I'm not going to complain because yeah, <laughs> we've been asking for sunshine for a long time. So now that it's here, I'm just going to embrace yeah. it. Yeah. Exactly, 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 right. I, I was going to say that as well. Like, it's funny, right? We complain that it's too hot. We complain that it's too cold. But yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's nice to finally be having um, some some good weather after such a, a cold season. Exactly. Um, so I always start the podcast with this question. What is your worst financial mistake? Oh, my worst financial mistake? Yeah. Beyond me getting into all that debt? Um, <laughs> oh, gosh. My worst financial mistake. Oh, do you know what? One mm. that I made, which I'm always telling people about now, is not paying into my pension. I opted out of my okay. pension for many, many years and missed wow. out on a lot of free money. So that was a really big financial mistake that I made in my 20s, which I regret. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you know what's funny, right? Like the pension thing, like, wh- why did you do it out of curiosity? Why did you just opt out? Because I was young, or so I thought, I'm young, I, why am I going to be paying money into my pension that I'm not going to be able to touch until I'm 65, when I can have that money now and spend it? I didn't really understand or even deep the fact that your employer matches that and, yeah, all compound interest, I didn't know anything about that back then, so I just thought I need that money now. That's I'm already paying tax, I'm paying national insurance, I'm paying student loan, I don't need that other expense as well, so if that's something I could get the money back for, I will, and I, that was my mindset back then for sure. Yeah, it's crazy because I feel like that was my mindset as well with pension. <laughs> I was putting in the the smallest amount as possible. I don't know if I did I opt out. I didn't really care for it. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't yeah. care for my pension either. No, I'm being real. Like no. I didn't, and probably for the exact same reasons um, that you did as well. It's just so funny that I feel like I feel like the education is just not there about it. Like how important it is for you in later life like not to opt out i think they should even give you the choice to opt out you know, it's so funny you. Yeah. you remember i think back in 2016 i can't remember what year it was when mm. it became mandatory that all your employers mm. had to opt you in, opt you into it yeah so my made me enter it as soon as i could opt out i opted back out of it oh so, wow yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't oh wow that. That's crazy. That's so interesting. I don't even want to sit down and calculate how much free money I missed out on because it'll probably, mm. probably be a bit too painful. Mm. But at least you're you're putting in money into your pension now. You know, oh, yeah, 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 it's definitely. important to get started right as soon as possible. So it's very very important. Um, so I wanted the listeners to get to know you. So could you tell them who is Tolu? Oh my gosh, that's a deep question. Who is Tolu in all facets of life or in terms of in coaching or money coaching? Just generally. You, generally. you know, you. Okay, yeah. so Tolu, I'm a wife, mother of three boys. So I have three boys, age six, four. No, that's not ages. Seven, four, 
Oh my gosh, I'm mixing it all up. Do you know what? We just had two birthdays recently. Okay. We're actually <laughs> aged three, five, and seven. Yeah, so I've got okay. three boys aged three, five, and seven. Um, my career background is in marketing, and I recently, or not even recently now, probably the past three, four years, moved into the financial coaching. So I now do both. So I do marketing, that's my day job, and financial coaching, that's my night job, and that's my passion project. And other than wow, that... Wow. I just joined the gym yesterday, so Tolly's gonna okay. be okay now. Yeah, <laughs> I the gym like back in my twenties, but I mm. haven't been for many, many years. I think at least a good eight years since I've been to the gym. So really, yeah. eight years. Yeah, wow. I I've been a runner, so that was what I was doing up until maybe two okay. years. I used to like just run around my area because that was one okay. of the things that I was like, let me save money by <laughs> by just running around my area as opposed to paying for gym membership and things like mm-hmm. that. So I did that for quite a while, running. And then I haven't been back to running. And the thought of it running now just doesn't appeal. So I was like, let me go to the gym. Maybe that will give me the yeah. motivation. I need to get back into health and fitness. And so, yeah, that's a little bit about me. I don't know if that answers it. Yeah, that, that does answer the question. No, it's yeah. just for, for the guests to get to know yeah. you. Um, interesting about the running that it doesn't do it for you. Because a lot of people feel, feel like running is, is boring actually i don't know i, I don't know no, i don't know i don't like running to be fair i think it's really? all right it's... oh no i actually yeah, okay. enjoyed it when i did it i think for me at the okay. moment the, the idea of going out to run is more challenging but i know once i go i i will enjoy it because i always did enjoy okay. it when i went but i feel like the motivation okay. just left me it's so just kind of out there yeah i mean <laughs> all the energy is going into the financial coaching aspects exactly. as well definitely wow 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 um cool that's great. And can you give us an insight into the day in life of, of Tolu? Oh, gosh. Which day of the week? <laughs> it, it varies. <laughs> I guess, um, so if I take you through today, my day consists of looking after the kids, so doing the school runs, dropping them off at two different places because I've got one in nursery, mm. two in primary school, feeding mm-hmm. them, sending them off to school, then me getting ready, going to work coming back home from work and speaking to people like yourself. So if it's not speaking mm-hmm. to you, it'll be speaking to a coaching client or it'll be creating content mm-hmm. for my YouTube channel or my blog or anything of that nature. So it's a pretty action packed day. Every single day I have the longest to do list and I get through so much of it, but then there's always so much left, but I've come wow. to the place where I've accepted that I can't do it all. So all I do is yeah. just show up and try my best every day. And I go to bed with satisfaction wow. knowing that that's what I've done. So yeah, every day is busy, every day is different, and you just have to roll with it. Wow, that's that's crazy. It sounds like a super, super long, long day. How do you get, get through it? Is it exciting? Is it nerve-wracking? Do you like, oh, this is long? Um, Each day is different again. So I think this yeah. week I have a bit of a spring in my step, because like I said, for the fourth okay. time, I joined the gym. You yeah. can tell I'm really excited about okay. that. <laughs> okay. That's okay. given me a different level of energy, like the last couple yeah. of days, but... If you asked me this question last week, I would have said, mm. I just have to do it because I have no choice. Like, mm. I have all these hats that I have to juggle. I just get on yeah. with it. And yeah, it's not easy. There's times when I'm like literally whining to my friends. Like, oh my gosh, I can't do it. It's so hard. Mm. This isn't working. Mm. That isn't working. But you just dust yourself off and you just keep going. And that's kind of yeah. how I get through life. <laughs> that's good. No, it's good. It's good to just be able to just keep coming back. Um, and mm. just have the motivation and the dedication to just keep doing doing things because it is hard to like you know your your mother your wife you have your full-time job your content creator as well um, and a coach so yeah it's definitely difficult to to do it but I'm sure that you are reaping the rewards from it um, as well which is which is good 
Um, but I wanted to take it back a bit, a little bit, and wanted to understand like your origin story. So where are your parents from? Oh, I'm Nigerian. So yeah, my parents, mum yeah, and dad are both Nigerian. Okay, cool. Particular tribe? Oh, don't ask me that because I'm gonna sound like I'm <laughs> so bad that I don't know where I'm from. No, I I need to go back and ask my mom because someone asked me this question the other day and I still don't know Yeah, and I was just like, it's either Oshun State or Ogun State. Yeah. One of the two okay. my parents are from. Okay. I just don't know which one okay. it is. I need to go okay. to my mom to find out. But yeah, I'm from Yeah, one yeah. I, you know what? I used to be like that too. I'm not gonna lie. Like I never not that I wasn't interested. I never we never really spoke about I knew my mum's side, but my dad's side, I didn't really know. And then I, people kept on asking me as I was getting older. I was like, okay, cool. I need to actually know this yeah. because I keep on getting asked this all the time. And yeah, I just learned it. And now I just write it down. So if I forget it, yeah. I won't forget it now because I like. So what um, So Ogbia and um, wow. Igbo. Yeah, so Ibo, my mum's okay. from Anambra State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my mum's from Anambra. And I'm also... She's she's a mix, though. She's Nigerian and Zero Break it up. And then my dad's Nigeria. Nigerian, yeah. So it's a, it's a bit of a mix. I don't know if you can still hear me, but you've frozen. Oh, no, okay, I've got Okay, there you go. Okay, cool. Yeah. Right, you were okay, saying cool. Anambra State? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, so... Um, my mum's, yeah, from Anambra State. Yeah, so... I've never been to either of them. Yeah. Oh. I would like to, to Nigeria. Like to you go. haven't been at all. I've been to Nigeria, yeah, a few oh, times. Okay. Yeah, yeah, just not been to the village yet. So yeah. villages is, is on my radar. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Um, were you born and raised here in UK, Nigeria? Yeah, I was born and raised in South East London. So yeah, South East London. Aye, yes, yes, fellow South East Londoner. I love that. I love that. What was it like growing up in South East London? Do you like it? Oh yeah. Do Why you do you face like that? Yes, I loved it. <laughs> What? I'm not doing my face like nothing. I'm just like I'm just asking. I'm from South. I'm living in South. I know, but your face uni, is like, so. you like it. Like, <laughs> yes, I did. I love South London. I'm trying to be high. fair. I'm trying to be fair. I don't want to like stereotype it because you know so people have say stuff about South it's London, true. and I'm like you know, yeah, no, no, no I, I I, yeah, you liked it growing up, yeah. Okay, yeah. it was entertaining. There was every day was something different. There was always drama. It was just yeah. When you're young, it's exciting. Now, looking yeah. back, I'm like, flip it all. Like, I nearly died so many times, but <laughs> at the time, it was Okay, fun. that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. Oh, my God. Um, and then, um, like, school, college-wise, did you did you go to college? Did you do apprenticeship work or did you, university? What was that like for you? I'm Nigerian. Is that even an option? Like, university is the only part. <laughs> <laughs> of course. You go to school, you go to college, you go to university, you get your degree, you get your husband. That's how it works. Oh, that, that was my, my mom told me it had to take anyway. But yeah, no. I went to college. I went to um, yeah, okay, SFX. I went to SFX college. Mm. And then, yeah, went to university in Birmingham, Aston University. Mm-hmm. And then... Yeah, yeah, my sister went there, actually. Yeah, oh, she really? went to Aston as well. Oh, yeah, 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 she, yeah, she liked it. Do business. And then she did a... No, she did psychology. Okay, there. good. Yeah, she did psychology. And what did what did you study at uh, university? Marketing. Okay. Yeah. Why marketing though? Well, I, what made you Listen. want to, to go into marketing? <laughs> okay. Gosh, I've never said any of this on a podcast. You ask good questions, but no. Um, mm. I in secondary school basically, I didn't get the grades that I wanted to get for my GCSE. Okay. So with SFX, they have they had very high entry criterias for you to get in mm-hmm. to do certain subjects so what i wanted to do was psychology sociology and mm-hmm. english but i didn't get the grades mm-hmm. so 
the options were limited. I was able to get into the business studies course and a couple of other courses, which were not the greatest. So then from there, my options were narrowed. So it's like, okay, what am I now going to go and do at university? And business studies of all the modules that I did, marketing was the one that was the most interesting. I was like, okay, let me go specialise in that. And that's kind of how I ended up down there. So I didn't know anything about marketing before going to college and studying business. But yeah, I found that module the most interesting, especially marketing psychology. That was a really interesting module at university, like understanding how people buy or why people buy and the decision-making process that people go through. So yeah, that's how I ended up in marketing. Wow. That is so, that is so, so interesting. And it's kind of, it's a little bit crazy at the time as well. I, you know, funny enough, I went to SFX, but I don't really talk about it. But I <laughs> flopped. I flopped because I flopped. I, I lasted a year and I was out. Like. Oh, you were one of those <laughs> ones, yeah. Yeah, I was one and of those ones. Yeah, I, yeah, and not many people are there in a second, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was not, it wasn't that I wasn't, academically gifted or any of that no it was just application right. applying right. myself I just didn't right. really apply myself for a few years at college um but yeah no I, was, I wanted to say like it's kind of interesting that they really restrict you at such a young age in terms of grades mm-hmm. when to me I don't think that's how it should be you should allow people to to um be able to explore things for as long as possible even up to the uni level because you know you might want to change what you're doing you might do a degree like oh you know what i don't like this i want to do a master in something else um you know i don't think that college is a prerequisite for you to be able to study a particular course at uni that's crazy to me no you're so right i thought of it that way actually but it is so true yeah you know, in school, your teachers will tell you GCSEs are like the foundation, they're going to shape your future. But I don't think I really yeah. deep how real that was. But those GCSEs literally were the catalyst for where I then ended up being able to go. Like, yeah. me not getting the A's and B's that I needed to get just kind of limited my choices, like you said, and yeah. ended up on a completely different path to the one that I had planned for myself. Because, you know, in primary okay. school, I don't know if your primary school did that, but we had mm-hmm. a yearbook where we wrote... No, not in primary school, sorry, secondary school. We had a yearbook where we wrote what we wanted to be when we grow mm-hmm. up. And mine was a child psychologist because that's how passionate I was okay. about studying it. So the fact that I didn't even get a chance to pursue it was a bit mm-hmm. sad, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's crazy, like, crushing people's dreams because... Yeah, of at a young age. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's... It's mad. Maybe I'll do an episode on that. <laughs> it's, it's such. I've never thought of it until you just said that, and it's so yeah. true. So it's young. Crazy. To, no, it's crazy. Like, what, in that that age, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's mad. It's mad. I know now that they're trying to like improve it, like with apprenticeships and stuff like that. But even back then, I remember apprenticeships are like kind of looked down on, which is again crazy <laughs> to me. It's like when you realize all this stuff you're like wait hold on like all your misconceptions mm-hmm. are yeah no it's it's mad okay so you you did you did marketing and then what was like your first role like after after university oh gosh that was quite sad my first role was not in marketing or anything i wanted to do okay. i graduated in 2008 and that was when the mm. credit crunch hit so it was like jobs were uh, far between so yeah i found it very hard to get my first graduate role and it was a very sad time mm. because it's like i spent all this money on this degree and i can't mm. get a graduate job but yeah, yeah eventually i managed to get a marketing role in fact i've had mm. had two so yeah i went to work where did i go oh there were an it company or it job board mm. that was my first mm. graduate role and i did like okay. event marketing for them and then i went on to my next place where i just 
was made redundant from a year or two ago and I was there way too long in hindsight I was there for like 10 years in marketing 10 years <laughs> I got way too comfortable <laughs> way too wow comfortable. wow yeah. why do you say why do you think that you why do you, why would you say way too comfortable like like yeah because yeah. 10 years in the same job is not a good idea. Mm. I would never advise anybody to stay in the same position for that many years. Because mm. when I think of how many pay rises I could have had, had I have job switched, mm. it makes me very sad. <laughs> I'm like, well, I was yeah. missing out a lot of money because of comfortability and convenience. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. It's interesting because like, you know, I would say the generation before us, that's what they normally did, right? Job they just stayed yeah. in companies for a long mm. time. Yeah. Yeah, they, they stayed for a long time. It was normal yeah. for them to just stay in a job for, you know, 10 years, 15 years, 20 yeah, yeah. years. That's just the, the normality of it. Okay, wow. Yeah. And um, how did how did you feel? Like, because you said that, like, you got made redundant. Was that, like, a shock? Like, what is going on here? Because marketing, to me, is a key skill. How are you getting rid of your marketing? That's how you make money. Yeah. No, but they didn't get rid of the whole marketing department. They just got rid of some okay. of us. So... The company I worked okay. for was a really big company. So the marketing department, mm-hmm. there was about, what, 60 of us in marketing. So it was a travel oh, wow, company okay. as well. So obviously when oh, COVID okay. hit, travel was not happening anymore. So they had to like make massive mm. policies. So they got rid of loads of people. Wow. But it was still sad. And it was a realisation that job security is a myth because you'd think, mm. oh yeah, 10 years, I'm safe, I'm secure. But no, you're just a payroll number. Yeah. That's oh wow! Sorry to hear about that. I mean, I'm saying sorry because that was in the past. You're you're good now, right? I'm more than good yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're more than good now. Yeah, it's crazy because like COVID, like COVID is so mad because some people benefited from it. Like if you were working from home and all of that sort of stuff, like the benefits of it, you got to work from home, you got more time with your family, you know, things like that. Um, and then the flip side of it, some people lost their jobs. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, it was a shock for. For a lot of people but then at the same time you have nothing to spend on so you're saving up all all of this money because there's nothing to really um uh, spend on how did you sort of cope during that covid time with the job were you already at a position where you you were great with your budgeting and all of that sort of stuff so it's like you know what okay i've lost my job but i got an emergency fund i'm good here i'm good there yeah so i actually got made redundant on maternity leave so I was just coming back to work from maternity leave and then I didn't actually get to work I was furloughed straight away and then I was furloughed for I think three months Mm. it was at the time and then made redundant so I never actually came back from maternity leave but the company I worked for the maternity pay was statutory and if you don't think about statutory maternity pay it's not a lot of money so we were already in a position where we were living on my husband's income solely anyway so Mm. the little money that I was getting from my employer that stopped after like nine months so for the final three months I was on zero pay and then I was furloughed getting 90% of my pay which was like extra extra money which we were just saving up and then obviously Mm. I got a redundancy pay so that was extra money that we were able to save so it didn't actually Mm. impact us financially as it would have Mm -hmm. if it happened four years prior when I was in all that debt. Okay. If it happened back then, mate, <laughs> we would have been finished. Yeah. Finished. Yeah. Okay. And this is the problem, right? And we're going to go touch on to this. This is like some of the consequences of like, oh, no, it's all right. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. Don't worry. It's okay. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> because I thought I put it on silent, you know. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. No, that's fine. Um, So this is one of the, the, the things with... um with the financial thing and it's not about like you know a lot of people when we 
we're not shouting because none of us shout on social media. But when we say, just look, just make sure you got your emergency fund. Just make sure that you're looking after your finances and all these things. It's just for these unexpected situations that you just don't expect, right? Nobody expects for COVID to happen. Nobody expects for some kind of craziness to happen or to be made redundant or, or any of that, right? But just in case it happens, we got a cushion and mm, and, and we're good. Yeah. We're good with it. Exactly. So, um, wow. Wow. Very resilient. You're very resilient. <laughs> no, I'm Man. glad God, that it happened when it happened. Because, yeah, like I said, yeah. years ago, my days, it would have been peak. <laughs> it would have been very peak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maternity these days doesn't even sound like, some of the pay doesn't even sound like it's even that good um, right now. They don't even give the benefits not that that great no my my last company was the worst but i know some people that work at places they get like six months full pay or three months full pay wow mine was like what six weeks half pay or something stupid like that so yeah (laughs) that's nuts that's yeah Yeah. that's not that's crazy that's crazy okay so i wanted to move on into your depth story because i remember hearing it at the um, event that we were speaking to together and yeah it was a really great story and i i felt really inspired about it which is why i wanted to get you on to talk about it sure um so how, how did you actually get into debt i know i know because i, I was, I was watching it, but for the listeners yeah <laughs> but for the listeners okay okay my debt story so the way we got into debt was when we bought our first home so mm-hmm. we had saved up all the money we needed for all the house expenses such as stamp duty surveyor fees the actual deposit etc but what we hadn't factored into the budget was costs of renovations. And that's because we didn't think we were going to have to do any to the property that we had found. And there just ended up being a big delay between when we had our offer accepted and when we got the keys. It was about a year lag in between. And during wow. that time, a lot of damage was done to the property to the point that the kitchen roof was caving in. The house was just literally falling apart. And because at the time, if you know about house prices, they rise so quickly. So... We couldn't afford. We couldn't even afford to say let's start looking again because we would have been out. We wouldn't be able to afford anything close to what we got for that money. So we was like, okay, let's just take it and then we'll just fix it up. So we took the property and we had a master plan about how we was gonna refurbish the property. We said we'll take out a couple, take out a bank loan, use that bank mm-hmm. loan to do up the property and then get tenants in to live with us basically lodgers and then they would offset that cost of that loan and we'll just concentrate on paying the mortgage and that was our financial plan at the time but what ended up happening is the first loan we took out wasn't enough to cover all the costs so then we had to take out a further loan and then in addition to that I think once you get into that cycle of debt it's just easy to take on more debt and we then Mm -hmm. started putting things on a credit card so the house had to be furnished all of that went on a credit card in that time as well, we went on holiday. Don't ask me why, but we had to go on that trip. It was a family okay. trip we had to be on. So we mm. went on that trip and put that on all, all on the credit card. And yeah, our debt just spiraled out of control. Wow. Wow. That's, yeah, I can see how that can happen. Mm. And I remember saying that to you um, um, at the event um, as well. And yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, what would you have done differently? knowing what you know now that's a brilliant question actually what would you have done differently i think we overextended ourselves in terms of the refurbishment like we Mm. because it's our first home together we want everything nice and perfect so Mm. we no expenses were spared so taking out a loan in itself probably wasn't a bad idea but we took out way too much money so we took out 
more debt than we needed to take out and then obviously all the credit cards and all that stuff we wouldn't have done all of that we would have just managed moved our stuff in slept on the floor until we could afford a bed yeah sit on the floor until we could afford a sofa and just kind of build it up that way slowly okay. whereas we just wanted everything perfect from the get-go i'm spending three thousand okay. pounds on carpet when i have no money <laughs> what are you doing I think that we just did too much. Like, yes, the kitchen roof was falling down. We could have got that mm. repaired and still use the kitchen. But no, we took that opportunity to gut the whole kitchen. So it was just, yeah, okay. we did too much too soon. So I think, yeah, in okay. hindsight, we would have just not taken on too much debt and all the other credit cards and stuff and all of that just wouldn't have happened. We would have just okay. yeah, lived within our means and also created a budget because back then, what was a budget? We didn't even know what that mm. was. We just kind of... Mm were spending money recklessly really i could say like mm. yeah because we thought we couldn't afford to keep up with all these debt repayments but reality was we were just wasting money on things we didn't realize we were wasting money on but i think yeah in hindsight I definitely would have created a budget and had a proper plan in place but we didn't have one at the time okay okay wow that's super super insightful um it is very very um, interesting because that the housing is I've, i'm not into renovations yet but i've been thinking about renovations and the the misconception you think is oh it's not going to be that bad you can just buy a brought down property you can take out some money and you'll be good but then like you said you don't even foresee that actually is this sale going to even go through what's if I'm, I'm having to wait a year 18 months two years right the worst case kind of scenario then you're just like holding the bag mm-hmm. waiting and then you just got all this depth as well. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Like, it's crazy how things can just, like, spiral out of control. Absolutely. And very, very quickly. Yeah, so um, what I was... Oh, sorry, before you go to this, I was just going to say that's yeah. the importance of having a plan A and a plan B. Because mm. I think another mm. big mistake that we made is that we didn't have a plan B. So we had this plan mm. that we were going to get lodgers that were going to come and stay in the house and pay off those loans for us. But, okay. okay, what if you can't get lodgers? What's your next plan? Before you go and take okay. out this debt... How is this going to be paid mm. if the plan A doesn't work? Whereas, yeah, we didn't think that far. <laughs> we didn't wow, think it was wow. Bad. Did you get uh, the lodges in the end? No, we didn't. That's what I'm saying. So that's, oh, that, that was oh. why <laughs> things went wrong because we didn't get these lodges. So on top oh, of now paying this new mortgage, we're having to pay off those loans for ourselves. So it was just, yeah, our expenses were just out of control. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. That's, yeah, that's crazy. That is mad. Yeah, I, I like that plan A. If plan A fails... Plan B, plan B fail, plan C, D. How many plans would you say people should have? Like, just two, three? I mean, three would be a good starting point for sure. I'd say plan A, B, and C. But, I mean, if you can get all the way to Z, then why not? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) In in it. (laughs) You get to plan C, you'll be covered. You'll be proper covered, man. It's like crazy. Um, How did you feel going through that situation? Like, did it bother you? Were you aware of it? Because, like, the reason why I asked is because when I was in debt, honestly, I'm not going to lie, I didn't think anything of it. Really? Yeah, no, like, it was like, I don't think I deeped it. Mm. Because it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not like I was living on the street or anything or Mm. I couldn't afford to eat or, you know, um, I could still live my life, per se. So... Not to say that it didn't affect my life, because it kind of does, right? Because you're building up interest. But yeah, it didn't really do anything to me, per se, right? right. So I think I, I just didn't recognise... Okay, yeah, I've got all these charges coming into my bank account and overdrafts is 
growing bigger. I'm, I'm living in it and all this money in a credit card. But I'm just like, okay, cool. I'm not. I can still buy what I need to buy. I can still go where I need to go. I yeah, I was just nonchalant it. about it. Yeah. Let's just put it like that. And that's probably because of the lack of education, right? You know, I didn't we lost you again. really care. Yeah. Oh, we lost you again. Okay, you're back. Oh, okay, you're back. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah I did. I did, I really didn't care at the time. So yeah, just yeah, I was just wondering how how you felt at the time. Yeah, you see, so I was similar to you for a while because when we was taking all that debt initially, it, it was fine because that's why we were getting more and more debt because we were able mm. to afford it. But I think when it got to the point that it was no longer affordable, that's when it became an mm. issue. When it's like okay, the mortgage is due today. The bank's trying to take the money. There's no money there to take. <laughs> it's like okay, okay yeah. So, your life savings you put into this house, you're about to lose it. You need to do something about it. So I think, yeah, mm. it definitely became real after, I'd say, when it came to the points that we were no longer able to keep up with our mortgage payments. That's when it started to really affect me and affect my husband as well. Because it's like, okay, what are we actually going to do about this situation? But mm. for a long time, we ignored it. We didn't talk about it. So even when we did realise how bad it was to begin with, we just didn't talk about it. Because it's like that... Mm. that elephant in the room it's like okay this mm. is bad. what we're we gonna do about it but we're just pretending we can't see this elephant just ignoring it mm. because it's too painful to have to face it head on right so yeah we did that for a while until it just became yeah we had to do something about it we had no choice anymore why, why do you feel people are like scared to talk about it like talk about debt and being in debt and because uh, I think there's many reasons to be fair. There's many layers to it, I would say, in terms of people not wanting to talk about debt. I think it's the embarrassment. I think it's the Mm. shame of it because you just think, I'm an adult. I should know how to manage my money. I should know what Mm -hmm. to do. Even though nobody's taught Mm -hmm. you, you, you've never been given the tools. You just think, I should know because everybody else knows. Because Mm -hmm. everybody else is presenting themselves in a certain way. You think that you're the only Mm -hmm. one in that position and mm. doesn't know what they're doing whereas no mm-hmm. a lot of people are in the same position doing exactly what you're doing so it's a vicious cycle so i think there's that i think it's the image that we want people to have on of us and the perception we want people mm-hmm. to have of us so when we was in debt for example speaking for myself i i presented myself as if everything was fine so family mm. friends i was still going out i was still doing all the normal things with my friends no one knew what was going on back home and I didn't want people to know because I wanted them to think I was okay and I knew what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, keeping up appearances is a big thing and people want to just mm. and that they've got things together when they really don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy, right? Because I feel like if we all spoke more about it, then mm. we'd realise that more people are in debt. Yeah. And it's not a shameful, it's nothing to be not ashamed of. Thing, no. Yeah. I mean, you get out, you take, okay, I know a mortgage is not called a debt, but a mortgage is a form of kind of debt and that's mm. normalised and that's, Exactly. seen as a celebration and right you know <laughs> like let's be real it's the truth right so you know there's no shame with that but when it's consumer debts yeah. people are like right how, how are you in like you know you've got your reasons as to why that's mm. it and all all you should be hearing is support of how, exactly. how you can get out if that's I what you're trying to do or whatever right there's, there's different facets to it so yeah very very interesting um what steps did you take to get yourself out of debt? Oh, gosh. So steps that we took was, first mm. of all, it was the talking about it and just accepting that we were in a bad position. So my husband came across a book by um, a book called The Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. Okay. 
And in that book, he basically outlines the 10 steps, seven steps, sorry, to financial freedom. And in that book, he basically gives loads of examples of people that were in a lot of debt. And in America, their debt is different to our debt because they have student Mm. loan debt or high interest. So they were paying off like hundreds of thousand dollars, two hundred thousand dollars, like crazy amounts in like a few years. And so that just gave us the encouragement that, okay, if they've done it, we can maybe do it too. So we Mm -hmm. literally started to follow his baby steps. The first step that we took was... um, saving our £1,000 emergency fund. So we were used to, up until that point, kind of putting anything, any emergency expense we would put on a credit card. So getting that discipline Mm -hmm. in place to kind of say, no, we're going to save up for an emergency so that we can use our own money to pay for it. That was a good habit that we developed there. And then it was the paying off the debt using the debt snowball. Now, the debt snowball method, for those that don't know, is basically where you write all your debts from the smallest to the largest and you tackle Mm -hmm. the first one first. So pay as much as you can towards the first debt and the minimum payments on all the rest. Once the first one mm-hmm. is cleared, you then put all that extra money onto the second one and you keep doing it until it snowballs and you've paid it all down. In terms of the debt snowball, the way we were able to even do that, we had to create a budget. So that's something we've never done before. And when we, before creating a budget even, we had to look back at our expenses. So that's another thing we did. We had to look back at where our money had been going for the past six months or so. And that was just a shock to the system because that's when we realised that actually we don't have an income problem. We have a spending problem because it wasn't that we weren't earning enough. We just were spending all the money that we had on things that we didn't need to be spending it on. So once we paid the mortgage, once we paid the loans, etc., where's all the rest of the money going? It was going Mm. to the wrong places. So that's kind of what we had to do really get on a tight budget, get on a spending plan and be like, okay, we're going to prioritise paying down the debt and we're going to pay all our bills and then we're going to live on beans and toast until we pay this debt. <laughs> and yeah, no more Heinz beans either. It was Aldi baked beans. So Wow. I like Aldi baked beans. Man. I know, I know. That's all I eat now. Yeah. Like, literally. Yeah, I like Aldi baked beans. Shout, big up Aldi. No, seriously. My, my place, I've been yeah. shouting them out so much. I need to get sponsored. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, do it, do it, do it. Oh, the beans are nice. I literally did a price comparison the other day, yeah. The multi-pack of Heinz beans is £3 to £3.50, depending on where you buy it from, from, yeah. Okay. Aldi beans is £1 for the multi-pack. So just do the math. There you go. Do you know what I mean? And it's just brand switching like that. Things like that is what we did to kind of free up money. And it was just finding smart ways to make our money stretch and then also earning extra money as well. So like my husband, he was working overtime non-stop i was side hustling and we just yeah we just had to attack it aggressively wow wow you mentioned something there and this is a great great tip so i really really love the steps um, that you mentioned so you talked about um emergency funds you talked about uh, debt snowball including um, budgeting as well which i think are all important things that you need that are like essential if you don't have any of those if you don't have an understanding of that or have any of those techniques in your toolkit i think you're gonna really struggle no matter how much money you're earning like it's gonna be a struggle you've got people who are earning more than six figures that still struggle badly um so yeah it's crazy you mentioned brand switching earlier what is that what's brand switching oh brand switching so that's literally like the example i gave with the heinz baked bean is switching Mm -hmm. from the luxury food brands to more mm. affordable or store mm. brand items. So like Tesco mm. has its basic range and they have even levels mm. of their basic range as well. So mm. 
yeah, so just switching out the brand. So maybe instead of buying Kellogg's cereal, you can buy Aldi cereal. Now, that's something I don't actually do because I don't like the taste of their cereal. <laughs> I have to be honest. <laughs> that's one thing I can't do. But everything else yeah. I can deal with in Aldi. Yeah. But their cereal yeah. just does not taste the same. Only the yeah. porridge. So I do their porridge instead of Quaker Oats. So like Quaker Oats, <laughs> that's a big brand. But Aldi has a basic porridge, which tastes the same. Whereas like their cornflakes, yeah. it's just a bit weird to me. <laughs> But if you can't taste the difference... Is that your go-to? Cornflakes? No, i just give it that as an example. Actually, no, my go-to okay. is... What's my go-to cereal? Porridge is actually my go-to. But okay, I've tried okay. to get, like, for the kids, get them the Rice Krispies, and I've got them yeah. the Crunchy Nut. And I've tasted it, and nah, uh, man, the Crunchy Nut is, is bad. It's bad. Yeah, no, I, t- I tasted the um, Cornflakes for my kids' one, like the um, the Aldi version, and it just does not taste right at all, no. You could taste okay. the difference. So if I was to do a blind food taste, I could taste the difference between the Aldi cornflakes and the um, Kellogg's one. And I think that's mm. where you should draw the line. So a lot of times we're loyal to the brand and we think that it's mm. better, but it's not better. It's just that you're used to the name. So like with the baked beans, for example, I know I keep going back to the baked beans, but it's mm. because for years I'd always bought Heinz baked beans because I thought that that was yeah. the best one. But when I tasted the Aldi one and I was broke... <laughs> I realise actually yeah. it's fine. So yeah, yeah, brand switching will save you so much money on your grocery shop for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish people could do that with Gucci, oh. Fendi. Oh, right? Yeah, no. Uh, so I was talking to a client about this just the other day actually. So we were talking about um, brands because she likes to mm. buy luxury items because she mm. likes the quality right so i was mm. trying to get her to understand that yes the quality probably the different so like let's say for example i get the quality argument that you pay more for quality items mm. right but mm. let's say one item's here oh, there. one item's here and the other the quality one's there but then you're paying that extra for the brand name mm. right so it's not that you're getting an extra quality item and that's why it's costing a thousand pounds. No, that nine hundred pounds on top is the name that you're paying mm. for. It's not because yeah. it's any much better quality than the hundred pound mm. handbag. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, that brand yeah. switching, nah, <laughs> miss me with that. Crazy. It's yeah. actually <laughs> yeah. it's actually crazy. Um, that ties us nicely into spending impulsively why do you think people spend impulsively because you actually just mentioned an example of that brand is there any other reasons why people spend impulsively yeah impulse spending could be anything so you can be an emotional spender so i know Mm. i was that kind of person but emotional in terms of i'm bored what should i do let me spend money that's how i was should i do today let me just go window shopping and and that window shopping will mean i leave that shop with some bags in my hand Mm. because you just have to do that. So I think, yeah, that can be a big part of it. I think impulse purchasing as well is just because people don't take time to think enough. I think it's just, mm. you just do it without giving it a second thought. So you do things on autopilot. I feel like social media as well has a part to play on impulse spending mm-hmm. because influencers are always like, oh yeah, buy this toothpaste or buy this mm-hmm. whatever. And then you, before you know, you've tapped and you bought it without even giving it a second thought. Like, I, I don't need this toothpaste. I've got toothpaste in my cupboard. But because this person told me I need to buy it, now you have to buy it. So I think, yeah, people just are just impulsive in, by nature, I guess. And yeah, yeah. I think that's why. Wow. <laughs> that's so interesting. No, it's true. It's true. I don't window shop. I don't even bother because I'm not that type. I don't like that. I if I'm going to shop, I'm shopping. I'm not. Why am I walking around? No, yeah. no I'm buying, bruv. Like, yeah. um, yeah, it, it doesn't you know work. You're buying as well, right? 
yeah, I'm gonna if I like something, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna. It's very hard for me to 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 be somewhere and be like, I'm not getting it in anything, whether it's snacks, whether oh, pizza. Like if I'm like if I'm saying I'm not gonna eat pizza, you're not gonna catch me in a pizza shop because I'll buy it. Oh, I can't okay. just be there and be like, oh yeah, I'm there with somebody. I'll buy mine because I, I like it. So you know, yeah, yeah, I can't do, I can't do um, um, window shopping. But what are the consequences of spending impulsively from your point of view? What it doesn't help when you have a budget in it. When you're an impulse shopper, it kind of blows your mm. budget or throws your numbers out mm. of sync. So you end up wasting money on things that are not even important to you. Because I think mm. when you're impulsive, you have just a short term view and you don't really look mm-hmm. at the bigger picture so that short-term decision you've made is going to have a detrimental effect potentially on your future plans and i think that's a big mm-hmm. issue when it comes to being impulsive with your spending because yeah you're robbing your future self basically in a sense yeah what you're doing yeah yeah it's crazy it's crazy like yeah exactly what you said you're but a lot of people don't see it like that like they're robbing their future self they just think it i've got the money let me spend it now and that's it. Yeah, I get that argument all the time. And I hear that, you know, I could die tomorrow. So why do I need to be thinking about <laughs> <laughs> like, yourself may not why be Why are people so negative? Why are people so negative, man? I, I've heard that so many times. In any of us, yeah. <laughs> I'll die, what if I die tomorrow? Really? Is that what we say to each other? Yeah, but it's it's a cop-out really, isn't it? Because you don't want to yeah. deal with the situation that you're in right now. Exactly. But, you know, I think exactly. that impulsiveness is just, yeah, it's robbing your future self. Like you could achieve so much more and be so much further ahead mm. in, all areas, in all areas of your life just by being less impulsive. So not even just when it comes to your mm. finances, I think just in general, having an impulse nature mm. is always going to be detrimental. Mm. Yeah. And how, how can somebody stop themselves in terms of spending? Yeah, I think um, one way you can stop being impulsive is to just know what your vices are and know what your triggers are. So for me, for example, Mm. I know that when I'm bored, I spend money, I go shopping, Mm. I go browsing, I go window shopping, and then I end up spending money. So if you know that you're that kind of person, then don't go window shopping when you're bored. Instead, think, what can I do when I feel bored? Let me read a book, let me exercise, let me spend time with Mm. my friends or call somebody. Mm. Let me find something else Mm. to do during that board time i think also being realistic with yourself i think a lot of times we lie to ourselves and lying to yourself is where you end up making these mistakes financially so you know what i mean like you saying oh yeah like what you just identified actually with the whole pizza shop thing right you know yourself that if you're going to the pizza shop you're going to buy that pizza so why are you going to that pizza shop just stay in your house, exactly. don't go. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But it's, stay in your house. <laughs> yeah, but people deceive themselves and like, oh, I'm just going to go to the restaurant and I'm just going to get tap water and order a star. You're not going to do it. You're going to see all your friends eating their free course meals yeah. and you're going to end up buying it. So I think just yeah. being realistic and, yeah, knowing yeah. what the triggers are and not lying to yourself will help you yeah. combat that impulsiveness. I think also another thing that would help is to give yourself a little bit of leeway so one thing that you can mm-hmm. do is in your budget have an impulse fund yeah impulse okay. fund. that's interesting impulse fund, you could yeah. do that so maybe 50 pounds 100 pounds no judgment mm. whatever it is you can afford within your budget that you can be like okay if i just mm. feel like buying something just for the sake of it this is the money allocated so even though it's an impulsive spend it's still planned mm-hmm. for so yeah you can still i guess 
fit, um, what's the word, satisfy that urge, but mm. it's it's within boundaries. And I think, yeah, that could help. Okay, okay, wow. That's, that's so interesting. You said something, I was thinking about it. Like, um, I went out I went out with um, a few of my friends last week and the one thing people always say, you know when you don't want to drink alcohol, oh, I'm just going to have one drink. Why are you mm-hmm. at a bar? Who goes to a bar to get one drink? That don't make no sense. Like, it's true. You just got to be honest with yourself. Just stop lying to yourself. Like, yeah. oh yeah, I'm going to a restaurant not to eat. All right, <laughs> why are you here? No, I'm not doing it. Because I've, I've been that person a couple of times in the past yeah. and it's it's happened twice. I've said, I'm going to go. I'm only getting a starter. I haven't been able to do that. So I'm not doing it anymore. Why am I going to keep doing the yeah. same thing again and expecting yeah. a different result? No. Yeah. I don't have the money to it's just, it. I'm not going. Exactly. Because you're, you're there with your friends. You're enjoying the time. You're not going to restrict yourself to be like, you, you're seeing everybody else munching their main meal. You're there with your your salads. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. I'm not hungry. No, you're not gonna do that. No way. Honestly, like, it, yeah, it's <laughs> it's so funny. Um, I was wondering, in terms of like spending impulsively, does financial goals help you in any way? In terms of that, does it does it stop you maybe to think? Okay, let me think about my my financial goals. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So like I was saying, in terms of people having long-term versus short-term vision, Mm. when you don't have financial goals, that's when you are Mm. more likely to do things in the moment because you're not thinking Mm. of the bigger picture. There is no bigger picture. So all you're thinking of is the here Mm. and now. But if you start associating the decisions you make now with the future that you're going after, you start to think a little bit differently about the um, purchases you make. I always like to tell people to always count their purchases in terms of hours of their lives because yeah especially if you work a nine-to-five right you're trading hours of your life for money so it's like okay Mm. this purchase that i'm making impulsively for a hundred pounds is costing me 10 hours of my life is it really worth it Mm. kind of counting the cost in that way way to look at it it makes you think twice about making certain purchases because actually mm, that 100 pounds it's not worth 10 hours of my life all that dress is not worth 10 hours of my life let me just leave it okay That's deep. When you put it like that, that is actually deep. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, that's true. Wow. That's really interesting. I didn't yeah, really I read that in the book. Like that. Your Money or Your Life, I like to recommend it. Yeah. It's such a fantastic book because that was where I heard that wow. concept. I was like, that is actually mad. Like, so many purchases, yeah. it puts it in perspective. Like, you're buying mm. this bag for a thousand pounds, bro. How many hours have you had to work to get that bag? Mm. Is it really worth mm. it? You have to ask yourself, mm. like, if it is or is it some people they'll say yes it is worth 10 20 mm. hours 30 hours of my life fine but no we're only here for a limited amount of time so we want to spend it yeah wisely. yeah 100 100 wow and just going back to it, what are, what are financial goals and can you give an example of a financial goal yes okay financial goals so i like to see them so i like to make smart financial goals so smart mm. for those that don't know is acronym for specific measurable mm. achievable realistic and timely goals so uh, mm. so like yeah. so like when i speak to clients for example and i ask them to give me some of their financial goals like what they want to achieve within the next 12 months and they'll tell me things like i want to be debt free or i want to pay off my debt or i want to save money but i'm like okay that's a great starting point but let's build on that what else do you want to do? Like, let's make that that goal tangible. 
because when you make it tangible then you have something to measure yourself against and then you can kind of track your progress because if it's just saying i want to pay down some debt okay how much debt do you want to pay when are you going to pay this off by how much are you going to be paying each time so i think financial goals are things like yeah paying off debt i want to pay off three thousand pounds debt by the 21st of december and i want to pay 200 pounds a month i don't know if that math works but whatever it is you kind of break it down into quantifiable bite-sized pieces that you can kind of achieve on a monthly basis it could be saving towards your house how much are you saving how much do you need for the house and working backwards okay i need a 12 grand deposit so okay i'm going to take 12 months to save it then 100 pounds a month is how much i'm going to save towards that financial goal so i think yeah financial goals are just specific financial goals that are going to set you on your journey or help you on your journey to whatever financial destination you have so for some people it's saving to buy a house for some people it's becoming debt free for some people it's achieving financial freedom so the main thing is to have a financial goal like five years from today where do you want to be financially okay i want to be here how am i going to get there you work backwards and create those financial goals okay okay wow love that love that smart i love smart that is yeah. such a sick way to set your financial goals and how how, do, how can people make sure that they stick to and they achieve their financial goals uh, there's many ways i'd say so mm. a good way i'd say is accountability partners so that's where your financial coach comes in or friends or mm. family somebody that can hold mm. you to these goals you set yourself because self-motivation is a myth like self-motivation comes and goes <laughs> but i think having that person that can kind of keep you accountable be like oh but you're going on holiday but i thought you said you were saving to buy your house like those kind of conversations can kind of help you stay on track for um achieving those financial goals another thing i'd say that would help is to reward yourself on the journey so it might be you've got a financial goal of paying down debt and you want to pay off six grand by the end of the year. Maybe when you've hit mm. that first milestone of a thousand pounds, you reward yourself. It might be a meal out. It might be theatre, whatever it might be. Just something that you can feel like, yes, I've accomplished that goal and I'm rewarding myself. That gives you that motivation to now go on to the next goal of paying off the next thousand pounds until you finally reach that goal. So I think, yeah, rewarding yourself on the journey will kind of help you stay the course as well. Okay, wow, that's crazy. And how, how often do you think people should check to track that to make sure that they're they're going to meet their financial goals? Well, for me, I I'll say checking fortnightly at least would be a good really benchmark. Yeah, okay. fortnightly or yeah, fortnightly or at least monthly checking in with their financial goals just to make sure am I saving? What can I do differently? Um, if I'm paying down debt, are there ways that I can accelerate that debt repayment? I think it's yeah. If you keep your goals front of mind, you're more likely to kind of focus on them and focus on achieving them. So I think if there's too much of a lag between when you set the goal and when you act on it, you're more likely to not do it. Very true. That's true. Yeah, if you leave it, leave it too far. Um, yeah, you could, you could, um, you might just not be motivated, or you might just Going. stop it at all. Mm. Yeah. What I realize works for me. Is routine. I, I realize if I'm trying to achieve something, once I get into a routine, like with content, if I do it every week mm. without non-stop, I realize that I just it's it just becomes automatic. It's almost not like difficult for me. Yeah. Or if I stop for a few days, it's like it takes me a bit of time to get back into it. And mm. I'm like, it's like energy oh, to gosh. get back into yeah. it. Whereas like if you're doing something you know, oh, so oh, it's, no, it's oh, we got a visitor. 
Yeah, we've got loads of visitors. Oh, we got a visitor. Yeah, I feel like getting into a routine um, helps me to keep going. Once I snap out of routine, I feel like it takes me more energy to get back into things. Like, so, yeah, so no, true. Um, and that's yeah. been my experience too, yeah. When you snap out of yeah. it. It's, yeah, same thing with the content. Literally, when I don't do it for a while, when I like miss maybe a week to get back into it, it's long. It's hard. Mentally, it's, it's just like a strain. It. Yeah, yeah, the momentum. I don't know, it's weird because it's not like it shouldn't be any different. Yeah, yeah. But mentally, your mind just is like, oh, like yeah, I'm having yeah. to do like, work hard again. to do this yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's actually crazy. Um, Thank you so much. It's been it's been great, like, um, having you um, on the podcast. I'd like to end with this question because I, I asked you what was your worst financial mistake, but I want to ask you what was your greatest financial achievement? Oh, that's a nice way to end. Um, yeah, I'd say obviously paying down the debt, so paying off thirty-six thousand pounds debt was definitely one of my biggest financial achievements. Wow, wow, we've come full circle as well with that. That is dope. Yeah. Um. So what's what? What do you have next in store for yourself? Um, next, um, same more of what I do already. So working with clients one to one, coaching them, helping them on their financial journeys, setting financial goals curbing impulse spending and creating that money management system to help them yeah achieve those goals and then in addition to that my youtube channel i have been mia since december but i will be coming back okay. in may okay so yeah by the time this podcast comes out i should hopefully be back on youtube so yeah that's definitely more content coming that way season four of t money talks will be coming soon as well mm-hmm. and yeah just more sharing this financial knowledge and working with people and helping them yeah achieve financial transformation i love to do more events actually as well more in-person events like speaking events yeah. and workshops and things of that nature that's something i definitely want to do before the year's out for sure yeah definitely definitely do pursue that there are lots of opportunities um that way and um where can people find you where can you find me tolufrimpong.com that's my website and tolufrimpong across all socials so youtube instagram facebook no not facebook pinterest and twitter okay great great use pinterest interesting i know right i don't even know why i said pinterest nobody uses it <laughs> I do, I do have it's great for bloggers so yeah okay is it what what do bloggers do on there no so people use pinterest to find stuff and yeah a lot of people okay. use pinterest as a search engine so if you pin your blogs okay. on there you get a lot of traffic through pinterest so yeah oh wow didn't even know that yeah wow you learn something new every day that is crazy <laughs> and um did you have any final words for the listeners oh final words um what i would say i guess if anybody's on here listening and they are in debt or their financial situation looks bleak and they think that there's no way out and they can't do anything about it you can like literally you can change your tomorrow your future self will definitely thank you for facing your situation head on and doing something about it so yeah don't ignore your situation if it keeps you up at night and it makes you feel anxious and you feel bad about where you are right now don't ignore it do something about it and yeah you'll be so glad that you did great thank you that those are fantastic and inspiring uh, final words i'm sure the listeners will um, appreciate it and listen back to this when they're in a place where they're like you know what i'm giving up they can listen to this moment and that will help them uh, through that. Thank you so much, Tolu, uh, for joining this episode of the podcast. It's been great having you on. It's been great hearing your story. Thank you so much for the practical tips. Um, I've learned new stuff. This is why I love doing the podcast. I always learn something new, you know. 
It's not only for the listeners, it's also for me to learn as well. <laughs> That's my secret motive, listeners. Yeah. Um, but no, no, I'm, I really appreciate you um, taking the time out of your day to um, uh, bless the listeners. I'm sure that they're going to um, enjoy uh, this episode of the podcast. Listeners, I hope you do appreciate it and enjoy this episode. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye.